Let's pray. Father, into your hands, into your hands, the great potter's hands, we submit and lay ourselves. We thank you that you are king above and beyond the floods of life. We thank you that in Christ alone, in Christ alone, there is sufficiency, there is rest, there is peace amidst these storms, amidst these floods, amidst the anxieties and worries of our lives. And Father, we are here today to confess that those worries and those anxieties at times seem to overwhelm us and inundate us to the point that we would think we can't even go on. So I pray that our act of worship this morning, the the words that we have offered to you as a gift, that, that they would become reality in our lives, and that we would experience your comforting shalom and presence in all the seasons of the life that we exist and spend and experience. So come now, Lord Jesus, be with us, teach us, stir us, strengthen us, that we might live for you in even greater ways. In Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be back. Uh, as you know, I had to send you off last week just to really to get some rest. I know it was shared that through my chemo treatments that uh, I'm at that stage in my treatment where it just seems to get a little bit, a little bit longer and a little bit harder each time. My immune system was down and, and uh, last week, and so just it was a good time to, to stay home and to relax and actually went to spend some time with family in Broken Arrow over the weekend, but certainly know that my, uh, I missed being here. And it is a joy to be here today. I was able to finish my fourth chemo treatment on Monday, uh, four out of six, which is a great thing. Uh, Of course, those of you that have been through this regiment know that you don't just finish day four and everything's good. There's a season of days that come, and I'm in the midst of those for this fourth treatment where you just kind of feel a little tired and exhausted, and uh, and you're just ready to get through it. One of the things that, that I'm learning through this experience and, and hopefully can share, many of you have been through this, is, is some of the side effects as you go through the chemo treatment is you don't, you don't feel the same. You don't feel the same on the outside and you certainly don't feel the same on the inside. You don't, things don't taste the same. You just have different tastes in your mouth and, and, and things like that and you don't, you don't smell the same. You just, you just, your body just smells different. And so that's all part of the, the excitement, the excitement, the journey that you're on of getting through this time. But as I pause and before we get into the text, I, I wanted to pause and say it's August 5th, I think. School's about to start. It's great to see college students back. Trenton McMillan, it's good to see you back on leading worship. Trenton's been at Cross Timbers uh, Children's Camp all summer, helping to lead worship and loving on kids and teaching them about the Lord and, and going out and ministering. And we are so glad you're back. It's great to see some of our college students back. Literally, we have college students that have been all over the globe this summer, and they're beginning to come back. We've got some new faces of college students. It's great to to see you here, and we're excited about some of the new things that are going on with our college students as well as we get ready for a new season, a new semester. I saw Jin Chin. I didn't see Ernie yet. Ernie, are you out there somewhere? 
There he is. Hey, Ernie. Ernie's been on deployment, serving our nation through the, with the Air Force, and is back. And we're so glad. I know there's two little boys that are really glad that you're here and a wife, but it's so good to see you and uh, everything. Welcome home. So, yeah. So just a reminder that people are coming back and, and there's going to be new faces and it's our opportunity to welcome them and receive them into the fellowship and the family of God as they look for that community of faith that they want to come and be a part of, be discipled, worship and serve. And we have an incredible open window over these next weeks. So let's be faithful. Now, one of the things that I've, I've learned through this season is to be careful with my words. And uh, I have to confess, I shared this with Doug Upchurch, and we were, I think it was just after church one Sunday, and his, his four granddaughters, so Jamie and Whitney, I hope I haven't created issues at home for you, but uh, his, his granddaughters were there, and it was right after my hair had fallen out, and I'd had to shave, and, and so one of the girls came up, and he, you just are oversensitive maybe, but she looked up at me and I got, hmm, she's looking right at this bald head. And uh, so I looked at her and I, I thought I needed to say something, but I didn't want to use the, the C word, right? The cancer word. And so I looked at her and I said, so what do you think about my, my hair? I had to get my hair cut. Or, and she looked at me and kind of grinned. And, and then I said this. I said, you know, sometimes when you get sick, your hair falls out. <laughs> so I looked up at Doug and I said, I'll let you clean that one up later. <laughs> so I can just see a little girl getting sick and say, oh, is my hair going to fall out like Brother Wade? <laughs> so anyway, I hope not. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes it does, doesn't it? Um, but anyway, so it's been, a, it, it's been a, a, an interesting journey over these last weeks. Today I want to focus on a topic, really something that I've experienced through this journey. And certainly this journey isn't the only time I've experienced anxiety or anxiousness. But I have come to understand that every year, 50 million Americans, 50 millions, I'll just take a random guess, that probably includes more than just me in here. 50 million Americans suffer from panic attacks, phobias, and anxiety disorders. One of the many things that I've had to go through is the, are these scans of, of my body to see how the, the cancer's coming along. I am typically a more claustrophobic type person. I don't really care to be in confined areas. And yet the PET scan that I had to take last time is one of those where you lay on this little, little bitty bench and, and then they send you through this machine, and you're, you're surrounded and covered. It's about a 30-minute process to take the scans, and you have to keep your arms up above your head. And, and I'm thinking, Lord, just get me through this. Please get me through this. So I decide I'm going to chicken out and go the, the old-fashioned. I'm just going to close my eyes and try to go to sleep and just be still and, and let my mind wander and not worry about it. Well, that worked for about 25 minutes. My arms start aching, and I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I can't move. And, of course, my greatest anxiety at that moment is I'm about to do something that's going to ruin the whole test, and I'm going to have to do it again. So there I am laying there, and all of a sudden, 
this anxiety attack begins to, to happen. And I know I'm at the end of this time, but it's just not coming soon enough. And my heart begins to pound and it begins to race. And I can't catch my breath. And I, and I finally open up and, yep, there's this thing above me. And, and yet I know I'm safe. I know I'm not in any danger. Yet I can't slow down. And, and my heart is racing. And, and it's pounding. And my chest feels heavy. And I'm flushed. And I, I start to sweat a little bit. I become twitching. I've just got I've got to move. I've got to move. And and yet here I am in the midst of this anxiety attack, and there's nothing that I can do about it. And then, praise the Lord, the voice over the intercom goes, Mr. Smith, you're finished. Hey, it's gone. I'm done. I'm ready to go, right? Have you been there before? Have you had that anxiety attack, that, that panic attack? And it just overwhelms and it overcomes. Your body and your, your, your emotions for that moment. Research tells us that anxiety disorders are the number one mental health issue for women and the number two mental health issue for men. Now, there's all kinds of causes for anxiety. Part of it is the culture and the world in which we live in. We're too rushed. We're too busy. There's too much pressure on us to, to perform or to, to, to obtain our goals sooner and sooner and sooner. There's less stability in our lives. We, we move more often. We're, we're separated from extended family that typically brings a sense of security and foundation to life. And the reality is, is that there's danger all around us. The danger of, of terrorisms, the dangers of school violence and issues and shootings. There's dangers all around us. We're, we're afraid of potential violence. And anxiety is a part of the life in which we live. Earlier in the spring, we had a chance, I had a chance to go with some of our, our senior adults to Branson for a Christian Jubilee. And during that time, Max Lucado came and spoke to us, and he introduced us to his book uh, called Anxious for Nothing, in which he takes the, the passages that we're looking at today in Philippians 4, 4 through 8, and he, he spends time working on a book, and he develops this idea through a book. So I wanted to share some thoughts from that, but certainly we want to look more specifically at the Scripture as well. But he, he began to talk about the difference between fear and anxiety. He said fear and anxieties aren't twins, but they're cousins. And he goes on to describe the difference like this. He says fear sees a threat. Anxiety imagines one. I was laying in that PET scan machine. There was, I wasn't in any harm or danger, yet my body was reacting as if I was in imminent danger. Fear screams out. Anxiety ponders, well, what if? Fear results in a fight or flight response. Anxiety just creates doom or gloom. Fear is the pulse that pounds at the sight of a rattlesnake in the grass. Anxiety says, I will never again walk in the grass because there may be a snake in there. <laughs> Max Lucado says it this way. He says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. The presence of anxiety in our lives is unavoidable. We are all going to experience anxiety and anxiousness in some way. But he goes on and he says this, the prison of anxiety though is optional. 
And yet today, I, I want to ask the question, how many of us find ourselves in the prison of anxiety, where anxiety and anxiousness, where, where it, it imprisons us, it enslaves us, it oppresses us. We cannot get away from it. I believe that Scripture has, has words of encouragement. I think that, I believe that, that our relationship with the Lord can enable us to, to work through and to be freed from this prison of anxiety. Let's speak a little bit about this word anxiety. This word anxiety, if you study some of its roots and where it comes from, is, is really interesting. It, it has the significance and meaning behind it of being choked or squeezed, a, a tightness or a narrowness. Someone suggested that we understand anxiety this way. Anxiety is a breathless unease. Can you relate to that? A breathless unease. But you see, anxiety not only takes our breath, anxiety also takes our sleep. It takes our energy. It takes our well-being. Anxiety has an impact on our bodies. Anxiety makes our eyes twitch. It makes our blood pressure rise. It makes our head ache. And it makes our armpits sweat. You've been there before, haven't you? Anxiety, as you look at the board, this breath-stealing angst. This word angst has a German derivative, and it means this idea of emotional turmoil or apprehension, even to the point of, of drifting into some kind of depression. Anxiety is this, you just lose your breath for life. There's this, this, this anxiety, that, that, that anxiousness where you feel choked and you can't breathe, this angst that comes over you. But it's also... It's also this idea of a mind-splitting worry. I look at this, the breath-steaming angst has more to do with our, our heart and our emotions, but, but our mind is also involved in, in the experience of anxiety. It's as if our, our mind is split with worry. It, it's, it becomes two. As our minds argue back and forth with each other, you know, you're, you're fine, you're going to be okay, versus, oh no, the world is, the sky is falling. It's interesting that James, in James chapter 1, uses the idea of being double-minded. Isn't that a picture of your mind being split? He, he references double-mindedness in reference to faith and doubt. And he says that the one who doubts, the one who doubts is the one whose mind has been split and you become double-minded. And that double-minded person is the person who is tossed to and fro in the storms of the sea. And isn't that the experience of anxiety that we, that we have? Is that our, our mind is split with worry and we feel like we're tossed to and fro in the storm. We're battered and we're, we're beaten and we, we don't find any rest. Anxiety attacks our, our heart, our emotions, but also our mind. I think this issue of doubt we'll talk about in just a few moments of, of anxiety deals with the issue of a lack of faith and trust in God. You know, Jesus talked about worry and anxiety in his parable of the soils. 
You remember the third soil? The third soil is the thorny soil. And what does Jesus say about the thorny soil? He says the thorny, in the thorny soil, it's as if the worries or the anxieties of the world come in and choke the word. There's that, that analogy, that reference again, is that our anxiety chokes, it constricts, it impacts the air that we have. And even in the, our relationship with God, when we allow the worries of the world to enter into that relationship, it chokes out God's word it chokes out God's encouragement. It chokes out God's instruction in our lives. So we've got to be carefully cautious against the worries of this world because it not only impacts our heart and our mind, it impacts our spirit. It chokes off God's word from our lives so that our lives become unfruitful. Because why? Because we, we can't catch our breath because we're being choked. Uh, now, I want to step back for just a minute and, and offer this idea as well. And this, again, was one of um, Lucado's ideas that anxiety or anxiousness, I, I like that word anxiousness better than anxiety, but anxiety as an emotion. And, and as an emotion, anxiety or anxiousness can either be a stumbling block or at times it can be a wise guide. Anxiety or anxiousness in and of itself is not a sin, rather an emotion. So, so let me offer this word of encouragement up front. Don't be anxious about being anxious. There, there are times when anxiety, when anxiousness can be helpful. Now, there are snakes in the grass in Oklahoma. But we don't have to be paralyzed by that thought. We, we can have an awareness of that. Anxiety can be, anxiousness can be helpful. But we are not to live in a perpetual state of anxiety. Anxiety, like any other emotion, can and does lead to sinful behavior. For example, anger. Oh, well, we should never be angry, right? No, the scripture says be angry, but what? But don't sin. I think Paul would say the same thing to us today. Be anxious, but don't sin. Don't allow anxiousness and anxiety to, to grip you and to grasp you in such a way that it paralyzes and oppresses you and controls your life. Rather, receive, be aware when, you, when your body responds in an anxious way. Understand why you, you have this sense of anxiety or anxiousness. Be aware of it and then deal with it and then leave it behind. And thank God for that, that warning or that sense that allowed you to address the concern that was before you. Now, I'd like to, to take just a, a brief tour through Scripture and, and look and see what Scripture says about anxiety. And maybe that will help us as we're, we're moving on to the Philippians passage. But let's see what Scripture says about anxiety in other places. In Proverbs 12, 25, here's what the Scripture says. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Now, it's interesting that we began our, our summer passages series in Romans 8.28, and we focused on the idea of shalom and of peace. And we talked about that, that the peace of God affects our heart, our mind, and our body. 
And today, as we, we wrap up our summer series and focusing on anxiety, we come back to this idea of peace. And the proverb says that anxiety weighs a man's heart down. In other words, when our hearts are weighed down with anxiety, there is no peace, there is no shalom, there is no rest. When our minds are, are double-minded, when, when we doubt within our mind, there's no unity, there's no peace or rest in our mind. So anxiety is, a, is an enemy of shalom or peace in our lives. In Psalm 38, the scripture puts it this way. I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. Guilt and regret heighten our experience of anxiety. Let me put it this way. Guilt sucks the breath from us. Did you, did you hear that? Guilt restricts, guilt causes us to, to lose our breath. Grace, on the other hand, breathes life into us. The psalmist says, I'm full of anxiety. I, I'm choking because of my sin, because my guilt is, is taking the air out of my lungs and out of my life. And of course, we know that the, the response to that from God is, let me send my spirit to grace you, to fill you with my breath so that you no longer choke. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus with Mary and Martha calls out to, Mar to Martha, 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 you are anxious and you are troubled by so many things. And in that story, Jesus says to Martha, Martha, you are so distracted. Isn't that what anxiety does to us? Anxiety distracts us. It takes our breath away. And I think what Jesus was saying is, Martha, th those things will take care of themselves. But for now, you come and sit. You come and listen. You come and breathe with me. Luke 21, Jesus says, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. Again, referencing that, that Proverbs passage, but even Jesus referring to this idea that our hearts become weighed down with the anxieties of life. Turn with me to Psalm 102. Sometimes the Psalms offer prayers on our behalf. Have you ever been anxious and filled with anxiety and, and really didn't know how to express that to God? I think Psalm 102 is, is a prayer of anxiety, of anxiousness that may be helpful to you. It may be a prayer that you could mark down and you could just keep that. And when you get to that sense of anxiety and anxiousness, you could refer back and say, God, this is my prayer. This is where I'm at today. Listen to the psalmist, Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let, me, let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress or the day of my worry or the day of my anxiety. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days have been consumed in smoke and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread. Can you relate? Have you been there? Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become an owl of the waste places. 
I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. Verse 11. And I wither away like grass. When anxiety has a hold of us, this is how we feel. This is how we experience life. And so the question we have to ask today is, is is there hope? Is there help? Is there freedom from this experience of angst, anxiety, and anxiousness? Look there at 102 verse 12. But you, O Lord, abide forever. The psalmist is crying out his heart, his experience, but he comes to this verse 12 and he says, But you, O Lord, you, O Lord, abide forever. In you, O Lord, there is help, there is hope, there is freedom from what I'm experiencing. So now let's turn to to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. You see, the answer to anxiety is the peace of God. The answer to anxiety is the shalom of God. Of God. Look at verse 6. We've, we've read this passage earlier in, this, in the service. Verse 6 says it this way Be anxious for nothing. Wow. Let's go back to that understanding of, of the word anxiety. A shortness of breath. You feel like you're being choked. You, you can't get your breath. Look up in verse 5. We'll just go up to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, look at verse 5. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. It's interesting. In, in, in my New American Standard translation, the word spirit is in, in italics. What that means is that that word spirit is really, it's not there. The intent or the meaning is, and I suspect in most of your translations, that the word gentleness or, or a word related to that is the, is the way that that's translated. But let's, let's follow this idea. Let your gentleness, let your spirit of gentleness. What, what is spirit? Isn't spirit breath? The, the, the translators of this passage, I think, are picking up on this, this play between anxiety and anxiousness and, and choking, struggling for breath, and this spirit, this breath of gentleness that is found in the Lord. So let's read that again. Let your gentle breath be made known to all men. Don't be choked up. Don't, don't be gasping for nothing. What a powerful contrast that, that Paul is inviting us to. You see, in the Lord is this gentle spirit, is this gentle breath that we can cry out, as opposed to this anxiety, this anxiousness, this, this gasping for air. Let your gentle spirit, let your gentle breath be made known to all men. Why? Because the Lord is near. Don't be without breath. Now again, this is not a prohibition against healthy anxiousness. In Oklahoma, everyone should have some sense of anxiousness about the weather, especially in the spring. We call them weather-aware days, right? There's an awareness. You keep track of what's going on. You know where you need to go if you need to get home or wherever it is you need to go in the event. But but it doesn't paralyze your day. I'll never forget my freshman year in Walker Tower. It was the first spring, and there was a tornado watch. There's no tornadoes, just conditions are good. And so 
you know, in Oklahoma, you go out and play football when there's a tornado watch. So we were, all the guys on the fourth floor, we were running downstairs, and we get into the fire. Well, the edge is just getting closer and closer. We get into the, we get into the fire escape, and there's like 25 or 30 people, obviously not from Oklahoma, with their blankets and their pillows, and they're crying and screaming out. Their anxiety had gripped them and enslaved them and, and caused such a great fear in their lives. Paul's not saying don't don't regard your anxiety and deal with it, but rather, here's what he's saying. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and this is the meaning and the sense in which he's writing with. He's offering a prohibition forbidding the continual action, the continual action of anxiety, which is already habitually going on in their lives. Let me say that again. Paul is offering a prohibition forbidding the ongoing continual action of anxiety that is already habitually going on within them. And what does Paul say? Stop it. Stop it. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious in this way. And then Paul continues on to share with us how we can begin to experience freedom from anxiety. First, we begin with prayer. Prayer is our response And prayer is our release from anxiety. Picture picture your hands. Let me share with you how I think the world tells us to deal with anxiety. Whenever we get anxious about something, here's what the world says. The world says you need to get control of that. You need to grab a hold of it. You need to hang on to it as tight as you can. And you need to master it and control it. And you be in charge of that anxiety. And don't let it have control over you. The world tells us we have to control our anxiety. But here's what God says. Pray. Interpretation. Release it. Put it in God's hands. Give it to God so that he can deal with your anxiety. So we want to to, to give God, we want to release our anxiety. We want to release our control and place our anxiety in His hands. Now, this is not easy, it's, but it's a discipline, it's a practice, it's a commitment that says, God, I'm going to learn how to not control and how to grasp onto that which I'm anxious about, but I'm going to learn how to give it away and how to put it in your hands. Again, prayer speaks to the intimate relationship of worship that we're invited to have with God. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. In other places, he says, pray without ceasing. We're to trust the Lord in all of our ways and our paths. This relationship of prayer and worship. And when we enter into that worship and prayer and rejoicing and handing over our anxieties to him, shalom Not anxiety is the response of being in God's presence. Paul adds a little bit more. He says that we're to to offer supplication with thanksgiving. Supplication is, is our invitation to bring our own personal needs and to bring our own personal concerns to the Lord and to give thanks for what God has done and continues to do in our lives. We offer supplication with thanksgiving because we expect And offer gratitude for what God is going to do in our lives. Freedom from anxiety begins with prayer and supplication. Handing things over to God and trusting Him. It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? Because the world tells us to hang on. 
with all we can. Lastly, freedom from anxiety. And Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Prayer and supplication are casting. We have some fishermen here, don't we? Key to being a good fisherman is in the cast, right? You got to cast that lure out there. What, what happens when you're casting? You're, you're, taking, you're taking what's here right here with you and you're placing it somewhere else. You're throwing it somewhere else. And that's what we're supposed to do with our anxiety. We're supposed to take it right here where it is and we're supposed to cast it somewhere else. We're supposed to willfully place it and throw it somewhere else and that's into the hands of God. Now in fishing, if you throw it into the tree and you break your lure off, that's not good. But with anxiety, that's a pretty good deal. I'm going to throw this out to the Lord, and it's going to get all tangled up in Him. And when I pull it back, guess what? It's still there with the Lord, isn't it? Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. And then look at verse 7. When we cast our cares upon uh, the peace of God, the shalom of God, which surpasses all comprehension, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. There we go. This idea of shalom, right? Our hearts and our minds. God guards our hearts and our minds so that we can begin to experience shalom. And then he, he follows up here in verse 8 with this idea. Well, what about my double mind and mind? Okay, we've talked about the heart and casting our worries and our cares upon the Lord. But what about my mind that's double-minded? And Paul simply says this. Discipline your mind to think about these things. Whatever is true and honorable and right and pure whatever is lovely and of good repute whatever is excellent of worthy of praise think on these things how do we discipline how do we get beyond that double-mindedness that that mind that feels split we do that by focusing and thinking on the things of god and as we do so our heart our emotions and our mind will discover the peace of god in our lives Church, freedom from anxiety is found in the shalom, the peace of God in Christ Jesus. In dealing with worry, Jesus simply said this in Matthew 6, if you'll seek my kingdom first, if you'll lay your cares and worries upon me, then I'll guard your heart and your mind, and you'll have all these things as I provide and as I take care of you. Church, today, don't be oppressed. Don't be burdened down by the anxieties of this world. But today, may you find freedom as you turn them over and hand them over to God. In this moment of decision, I would ask you to take that step of faith. That step of faith that would say, I'm going to hand my cares, my anxieties, I'm going to cast them upon God, and I'm going to turn them over to Him. In just a moment, we'll stand to worship, and you'll have a chance to, to make a public response, coming to kneel at the altar coming to share with a deacon, with a pastor, so that we can begin that prayer journey. But don't leave here today. Don't be one of the 50 million that leaves here today still oppressed and burdened down by the anxiety. Begin today casting your cares upon Him and discovering the peace of God in your heart and your mind. Let's pray.